Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Two Wizards and a Mic, where a couple of old guys who've been playing D&D for years tell you how it's done. <laughs> because we're just that old and that wise, hence why we're wizards. I am Shane, and of course to my left or right... I am Andrew. And uh, first of all, we should talk about your upcoming Kickstarter. No. Yes. So this Tuesday, Monsters of the Dungeon hits Kickstarter. This guy. And nice. um, this is probably going to be our biggest book yet. For sure, our best book. And uh, we're talking about a book with dungeon creatures. And not just a monster collection, but a campaign book for running adventures in dungeons. So up to 120 monsters, uh, dungeon sections, so seven different kinds of dungeons. And in the Kickstarter, this section, the first chapter we've actually finished for you already is the Arcane Dungeon chapter. And you can download that for free during the Kickstarter to see what the rest yes. of the book, yeah, see what the rest of the book looks like. Um, there'll be, there could be a trap section, uh, dungeon maps. There's going to be, um, those are going to be stretch goals. And then the option to have uh, an adventure NPC book. And we're going to have more action kind of scenes than we've had before with the art. So every chapter will have a big full page scene of one of the adventuring party dealing with one of the monsters in that chapter. And uh, it's going to launch 7 o'clock um, Pacific time, 7 a.m. on Tuesday, 10 a.m. Eastern time. And if you go below, there's a link there to get notified when we launch. We already have over 300 people signed up for the launch, which is really good. And um, Wait a minute. Yeah. Am I signed up for the launch? I better get over there right now. <laughs> the exciting thing, too, is that the manuscript is almost done, where all the other books, it's been two or three months later that the manuscript portion of the book has been finished. So there's a chance for a really good turnaround depending on when we can get the art done. And uh, yeah, that's that's pretty cool. That's pretty sweet. I got to say, I am excited because I I want to give you money because, you know, it, books are great. I mean, I am I biased? I don't know. I think not because, you know, I'm very particular with D&D books, actually, to be honest. Um, there are some that I've not liked, uh, some that I really like, and... Uh, I got to say that in terms, if you look at your books and you look at uh, Wizards general sort of fair, like, mm -hmm. you know, if you eliminated all the branding differences and made your book look like theirs, mm -hmm. I don't think there would be, they wouldn't be able to tell the difference. <laughs> you know, you've been, this, this is what you do, man. This is what you do. Yeah. So, um, it's uh, dungeon crawling is pretty cool. At the very end, we will play the trailer, which would be great. Um, because it's just kind of cool, but I think we'll save it till uh, or the teaser trailer. Um, but uh, but this time we're going to talk about uh, well, essentially. Do you want to talk about any of the stretch stuff before we crawl a dungeon or two? Sure. Yeah. Just quickly, you'll have an option in the Kickstarter to um, get the PDF, the printed different printed versions like softcover and hardcover. There's a really good deal to get all PDFs. So that'll be six, all six books in the series, including the new one for a really good price. And um, 
then there'll be the option to add more books from the series that have already been published. Yeah, so the stretch goals for the whole project will be to add a trap section, uh, dungeon maps to each chapter, and an NPC book, um, obviously adding more monsters, that's the first stretch goal, and um, a, a small adventure as well. So yeah, lots of lots of ways we can build a really a really cool book. Yeah, I'm glad that there's a stretch goal for traps because I think one of my favorite discussions we've had uh, was about traps because it really sort of excited me in that way of like I have not thought of traps. You know, I just think of the basic ones like fall through mm -hmm. the floor, get hit with something, but uh, having traps that that do not that interesting things but surprise things uh really uh made me excited so uh yeah let's all get those stretch goals when you know about what 24 hours after launch i think that'd be great right that's, that's possible <laughs> <laughs> but uh speaking of uh books about dungeons and monsters that live inside of them uh mm -hmm. we're going to be talking about dungeon crawling today uh because it has been ignored neglected unloved by the makers of DD because they've been distracted with you know other things and yeah. stuff trying to destroy their community <laughs> but uh but anyway um we still love them because you know they're continuing the things that we've lived since childhood but uh let's talk about some crawling sure yeah so at the heart of uh dungeon adventures at the heart of the game especially at the beginning of the game there is the dungeon crawl style of adventure now more specifically, that is in a dungeon, although the style can also be could also be in a castle or a manor or an inn or a, sh a sailing ship in port. So there's many ver there's many ways of playing D and D or fantasy games with a very similar kind of style in a dungeon crawl. But the true dungeon crawl obviously is in a dungeon. And yeah. um, as Shane said, fifth edition hasn't focused at all. It's almost almost ignored it in a way, in many ways, in the Xanathar's book, which I think is really the only really great supplement, in my opinion, from this edition. They have uh, encounter tables for all types of environment, except the dungeon. So that just shows you right there. They don't even, they don't even include it. Um, however, if you do look through the original adventures, um, the first adventure I ever played was this one, The Keep on the Borderlands. Yeah, yeah. And um, I love it. yeah, this one had a dungeon. Then next with the group, of, this was before I was a DM. The group played the against the Slave Lord series, this series. There's four yeah. uh, modules in it. That one has definitely a lot of dungeons. And then also around that time, which some people will say was sort of the glory, the glory years of adventures for D&D, was the classic Tomb of Horrors. Yeah. So... There were many, many dungeon environments in the beginning of the game, and um, some of the new, most of the newer books still have uh, dungeon crawls or dungeon crawl-like uh, encounters, but they just don't focus as much on them. Um, really, this is the original way of the, the game started, the style where you're moving from one chamber to another. Uh, it's a yeah. really good way to start new players because it's very simple and very um straightforward 
And it's also a really good place for low-level characters because you can have lots of low-level, lots of many of the low-level creatures in Dungeons and Dungeons and Dragons actually are dungeon creatures. Most of yeah, most of the adventures in the original um, game had dungeons. Some had this concept of a mega dungeon, which has hundreds or thousands of chambers. And um, in our upcoming books, we're going to have in this new uh, Monsters of the Dungeon book, we're going to have seven kinds of dungeons. Um, the dungeon crawl, as I said, can be done in many kinds of settings, really, but the true version is in the dungeon underground, a very right. medieval, part of the medieval world. And the basic rhythm that you get into the, and the tactical aspect of the game is that you you listen for what's up ahead. And obviously you're, you're, the players are looking, the characters are searching, looking ahead. And it's not always easy to do that. Then you check for traps in the area. Then you slowly move forward. Then you either, you usually have combat with what you encounter, but it doesn't always have to be a combat. And then you loot the area for whatever treasure you can find. And that, that rhythm, that's really the rhythm of the original Dungeons and Dragons game. And that is the dungeon crawl type um, adventure. And uh, it's simple and it's fun. And you can add more complexity to that. It doesn't have to be, doesn't have to be really simple. You can have more complicated traps, more dangerous monsters. You can have a bigger area. So but this is what you build from. Um, back then, it was always helpful to have a fighter class because of the environment that you're in. So the fighter, the, the uh, ranger, or the paladin. For healing, you always wanted to have a cleric or a paladin. Useful to have a spellcaster, at least, at least one. And then rogues help do some of those things like you know, open locked doors and treasure chests, and they can sneak ahead a bit. One of the main parts of the dungeon crawl that's different is that a direct assault on a dungeon is usually not a great idea because it can be well defended, like the um, yeah. Elm's Deep Keep in Lord of the Rings. Dungeons are a really good place for a smaller group to hold off a larger group. So many times it's better to be stealthy in that situation. I, it, was, it just popped into my mind that I actually have a book over on my shelf, a book, a little booklet, one of those uh, Hillroy, you know, lined paper things. And I had like two or three of those when I was about 10. Mm -hmm. And it, when, you were, when you were talking about how dungeon crawls were moving from one space to another, I actually created these dungeons, you know, created as much as a 10 year old can. Uh, yeah these rooms i just drew a strange you know shape of a room and then put m for monster or v for vampire and stuff like that and i just i filled an entire book with that thinking that was an adventure i guess at the time but uh yeah sorry it just that just popped into my head yeah no that's true that's that's really at the heart the beginning of the game you know you'd get graph paper or any kind of paper you could get and start to sketch out a dungeon or and yeah, that was really, that was the origins of the game. I think that's at the heart of the game still, is that sort of adventure, that style. It doesn't necessarily have to be underground, but that style is really the core of the game. Um, yeah. So the dungeon environment, this is what's spe special, and the true dungeon crawl is underground. Um, light is an issue. So you're going to need torches. Dark vision can help, but both of those have their limits. Dark vision 
you can't see color, you can't see very far, and the torches are going to eventually burn out. So you're going to have to have multi, you're going to have many of them. I know the first thing I do when I play Skyrim is I go to this one cave with uh, filled with bandits where they have a, there's about a dozen torches at least in that that cave. It's an old mine. And I know if I go there, I can load up on those and I'm going to be good for quite a while. <laughs> that's it's funny you say that because that's one thing I've always wondered about uh, any movies that represent in D&D or any sort of, uh, you know, any anything where there's a dungeon involved or some sort of underground environment. Porches are always lit. Yeah. And it's like you just got there. No one's been here for 500 years. And yet all the torches are lit. Yeah. It's, I always find that weird. Um, <laughs> But that to me, uh, torches and being able to see in a dark environment like that are always critical because if you do stumble into a room and there is a light source, you know something is up. Yeah. And uh, generally anyway. Yeah, no, that's very true. And uh, that's something I, that's one of the first things I usually describe when I'm DMing is, you know, are there torch sconces on the walls? Are they lit? Are they empty? Um yeah, it's it's a pretty key part of the game because, you know, if it's darker, you can have creatures attack, surprise the party, uh, especially creatures that have ranged weapons that can see in the dark. Yeah. And there's many creatures, and actually we make many creatures in our monster books that can see farther than any of the characters in the dark. <laughs> so, That's just mean. That's so yeah, cool. And like, I love for it. Example, all, the average, the dark vision is usually 60 feet. Well, drow, every drow can see 120 feet in the dark vision. So, yeah, yeah, that's that's a really, you know, and traps too. Traps can go off and you can't even see that right now all these darts are heading towards you because it's in the dark, you know. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think, um, I don't think that's used enough. I don't think people are surprised enough in usual most D&D games it's easier to surprise parties um and it's easy to surprise characters in the dark so i think yeah i think and i think that's a fun part of the game you have to consider that when you're playing all right i like uh, uh the the idea that um uh about marching order about how uh cuz the cuz marching order is important uh, but specifically for who can take the most damage, because when those traps do go off, like it, usually they're at, they usually hit people at the front. Although thinking about traps, it would be cool to have a trap that hurt the people at the back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Marching order is very important. You're in a confined space. And like you say, usually you have your fighters at the front and, um, I do know there's several traps where there's a pressure plate and then the ceiling block falls, but it falls back like 20 or 30 feet from the front. So it's going to hit like the middle of the party or the back of the party. And I, and I think it also, it's good sometimes to have the monsters attack from different directions. So it's good to have them yeah. surprise the party from the back. Um, yeah. And I like fifth edition mechanics for how you move into somebody else's space. And then when you move out, there's probably an opportunity attack's going to happen. So, you know, it's a, I think it's a really fun tactical part of the game. So it's yeah, definitely important I that agree. DM knows who's where, and that's why using miniatures or tokens is kind of, is helpful. Um, 
a really fun aspect of the game, which is not used that much anymore, is that the old school version, the players actually would map out where would they would go. And um, I rarely do that anymore, but it is a fun aspect to it. I think part of the, the reason it's not done as much is the games now are shorter. Uh, many well, of we the... also generally have a table that has like a battle mat on it as well. Yeah. And I think players have been spoiled by that because there is a, a game that I play with some friends that I've had since I was, you know, five, six years old. And we only play the game probably once every two, three years. And, but the DM, uh, who, you know, my friend who runs it, is very specific about how he likes because he knows that we're not going to play every other week. We're going to play mm -hmm. probably once every year because half of the players are in Ontario and we only play when we go to his house in Surrey. Mm -hmm. uh, so when we do go, I actually have this book, this uh, uh, spiral bound book that has my character sheet at the front and it has, I've written notes for like six, seven years now. And I actually have mapped everywhere that, that we've gone. And it like ranging from where we started to a couple places where we went through portals and different dimension stuff. And I've written everything down and it's kind of awesome that when I go, I have no memory of what the hell we did last. And I just opened this book and I'm like, Oh yeah, that's where we've decided to do this thing. And here's where we are right now. And that brings it all back. And I wish that that players were forced to do that um, a bit more because that I don't know. There's just something. There's something really enjoyable and tangible that the players, where the DM can go, here are your uh, miniatures, and they're on the table, and there's nothing you you don't see anything, so you have to draw it. Uh, it would be kind of interesting to to play differently uh, for a lot of games because um, I don't know. I just, I just like that. There's that tangible thing that I always harp about. But uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's a really good point. I think one of the reasons it's not done as much is games are longer because, or games were longer because most of the people playing at the beginning of the game were kids, where yeah. now those kids are like me, they're in their 50s, <laughs> and, um, and kids are still playing. So, and even younger kids can play now. So the games back then you would play, you know, you could play all day or the whole weekend, where now most games I'd say are, two to four hours. So I think it's a time thing, I think part of it. And then like you say, there are a lot of people who have battle mats or um, the players can see the whole map. Yeah. If I want to keep it at more of a surprise, which I do sometimes, I cover up sections and then reveal them as the party advances through the dungeon crawl or through the area. So um, yeah, so that that was an interesting aspect of it lots of people looking for graph paper in the late 70s and early 80s. Um, again, the dungeon environment, it's very tight quarters usually, which I think is actually fun. Again, it's you have to be very strategic and very tactical. Uh, you have to yeah. look around, you know, look around the corner, hide behind the door. Um, you know, oh, I'm, going to, I'm going to put an arrow in my bow. Where are you going to shoot that? Uh, into the back of the guy at the front. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Which I think is good. Another good reason to have, like the only really ho only house rule re we really have is about critical hits and critical misses, and I think that's pretty. You know, that's going to have a lot of effects in a dungeon crawl. Um, yeah. So a main part of the this style of adventure too is resource management. 
So you could be stuck in the dungeon for hours, days, longer. Uh, the torches run out, as we've ex explained. Food can run out, water. Um, so you have to consider how much food you're going to use. If you're going into a dungeon, it's, per it's really good to be prepared. Um, you're going to need to have ammunition for your bow and your crossbow and, and other supplies, maybe spell components. Um, so you really have to consider how you're going to use your supplies and how you're going to use your spells and other character features because, you know, you want to save it for the big bad evil guy. Um, you want to survive. And... Um, you, it's a really important part of this style of game. Well, especially since um, when you have uh, uh, limitations, when you have that, you know, I only have five arrows left because we encountered somebody at the mouth of the cave. Mm -hmm. uh, that kind of thing is really important. And how are you going to remedy that? Are you going to be able to make more? Uh, I don't think you're going to have a wandering trader or anything <laughs> come walking through a dungeon. So you're pretty limited in what you can do. Uh, mm -hmm. Wandering monsters, however. Um, yeah. Yeah, so very, very important thing for the party to consider. If they know it's going to be a big dungeon before they go in, they really want to make sure they're properly prepared. Uh, another important part of this kind of style are traps, which we did a whole show about recently. And then the doors, uh, you can have lots of interesting, cool kind of things happen with the doors. Secret doors are obviously iconic for dungeons, oh, yeah. having hidden chambers. Um, the door is stuck, so the party has to force their way in somehow. Shit. Different kinds of locked doors. And then, um, yeah, and as, as we said, traps, traps can be anywhere. They can be overdone unless you're unless you want to trap, you know, one kind of trap heavy dungeon as a, some sort of one shot or one, you know, a very rare occurrence. But I think in general, you want to, you know, want to, you want to have a balance of traps, not too many, but a dungeon is a perfect place to have them. I always ran, I, I ran a, a game 20 years ago now um, where we had uh, a door that was stuck and the whole trap was that the door was stuck and that when they pushed it over there was a, a ballista right behind it and it shot the the ammo like right through the door yeah and uh and people took a lot of damage with that i just i just <laughs> i'm so mean <laughs> <laughs> thanks shane that's a great idea <laughs> i'm sorry other players um, but yeah, just stuff like that where it's like you, cause I'm trying, I always like to try and, and, and think about the tropes of, of stuff because tropes are great in certain ways, but, uh, I find that tropes kind of make players a bit lazy. So I kind of want to have things like that. Like, I don't know, lava buckets or something dumping on your head all of a sudden or something strange. Why yeah. are we covered in oil? What's igniting nearby? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I can be a little crazy that way but that's <laughs> <laughs> um secret rooms are so common in dungeons that you know experienced players know to check as much as possible for them because they're usually going to be around i'm going to check for secret doors <laughs> yeah exactly um there's also the issue of getting lost 
which again is not as big part of the game anymore, but it it's fun to do, whether you're in the wilderness or in a dungeon, especially a big dungeon, um, you can get lost and that can extend the stay for a while. Um, surprise, which I mentioned before, easy to you know um, catch parties by surprise in a dungeon. Another part of resource management, which we didn't mention is rest. So yeah. it might not be very easy to rest, uh, which is, we're gonna talk about that more in a moment here. So you want to make sure that you know the party is rested, especially before they go in. And then chases are not as big of a deal these days, but chases in dungeons are fun. There are rules for conducting chases in the fifth edition Dungeon Master's Guide, which I think are pretty simple and pretty useful. Um, now, one, one very iconic part of the dungeon crawl is having wandering monsters, which adds to the realism. And um, in our last episode, we discussed our top 20 dungeon monsters from the monster manual. So to make it more realistic, if the party decides to try and rest, or if they're spending lots of time in a dungeon, it's nice to have a list of encounters that could happen. And you can either roll for them or just pick them, whatever you know suits the, suits the time. So wandering monsters are always a classic part of a dungeon crawl. I don't think we run into those as much as I would like. There's definitely, I mean, again, it depends on the environment. Like if you're in a place that's relatively abandoned and there's no reason for uh, a monster to wander through, um, then actually having a monster that does wander through that makes sense, you know, um, you know, because wandering monsters aren't to me are not just, you know, there's the monster who's like looking for dinner. Okay. I'm hungry. I'm going to go wander down this place. Mm -hmm. But then you might have ones that are searching for something as well, like basically on their own little adventure where they've not quite, you know, they've eaten, they're full, but they 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 have something they really want. And right. And depending on the intelligence level, of course, you know, they might not be searching for much, but still. Um, and I like that kind of stuff because you're right. It, it comes down to realistically what is going to be here. Mm -hmm. Like a displacer beast in a, oh, I don't know, a maze in a, in a coliseum. Sure. Okay. You, you might, you know, they've captured it somewhere and they're using it to, you know, like a lion in the arena um, where you might not run into that that often. You may have never seen one before. You might have heard of them, but uh, you may never run into them in the wild. I mean, that's just, I mean, I'm actually not sure what environments the displacer beasts actually realistically live in. I don't even know. Uh, but, um, well, definitely the Underdark, the under, Underworld, because um, Drow will use them. Okay. That's that's really, I think that's their home uh, in the lore. But, you know, as you know, with all the monsters, including the ones we make, you can put them in lots of, yeah. lots of places. Um, the thing about Wandering Monsters, though, is the players don't know. Um, that's true. When a dungeon master makes the dungeon or is using an adventure, the monsters that are in the dungeon already in their locations, those aren't wandering monsters. And if the party, for example, makes a lot of noise and there's a huge fight going on and say next door, there's a group of orcs in the in a guard room or something, and they hear the noise and they come running, that's not really a wandering monster. That's just one monster from one chamber moving to another. Wandering monsters are these random, sometimes creatures that could be patrolling and they're not really built into the adventure to have a 
to have a you know a a um, you know a certain set location. Yeah. So they're they're kind of a more random, um, spontaneous element to add, but it still needs to have some realism to it. You know, um, if you're in a dungeon, you know, in the desert, and all of a sudden drow come wandering through that you know it doesn't make any sense <laughs> exactly exactly that's just kind of what i mean like yeah i, I so, just love it when it makes sense why something is where it yeah. is um, yeah exactly or so, or even if it doesn't make sense i suppose that would actually kind sometimes. of sometimes because you could use a wandering yeah. monster in a dungeon to indicate that you guys missed something there's something going on that you you've walked right by it or or you might want to delve a little deeper and uh, you know that kind of thing that could actually be useful yeah yeah for sure there's there's you know there's i think once in a while you can throw that again throw that in but uh if you have adventures that just have spontaneous surprises and random events all the time your party your players are going to be if that happens constantly it's going to be uh it'll be interesting yeah uh, right, so i gotta say i love this so a lot of there's a lot of classic ones as we mentioned the keep on the borderlands tomb of horrors against the giants that that three part series has a lot of dungeons um yeah. the against the slave lords one i showed and then the temple of elemental evil another massive one this is more like a mega this is really a mega dungeon yeah. so a very classic adventure this is a thick this is one of the biggest I think it was the biggest module that ever came out from TSR back in the 80s. Uh, that's an enormous dungeon. We actually played in that about two years ago, and I used maybe yeah. maybe a fifth of that book. <laughs> yeah, we weren't we weren't in there that long. We kind of delved in, and of course, we were there for a specific thing. Yeah. Um, and as soon as we got it, we got out. But um, yeah. Well, like you say, you weren't really there that long. It was probably three sessions, maybe, and we play for four hours. So that was twelve hours. <laughs> <laughs> but for our, but for our games, though, that's you know that's yeah. nothing. That's a drop in the bucket. Yeah. Well, three years to, later, yeah. it could be like we're under the dungeon finally. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's true. We have done, we've almost done three campaigns from first level to twenty, and then we've done a bunch of others. So, yeah, that's true. The uh, the dungeon itself really too is an archetype. It's really a you know it's this this element that everybody knows. When you say dungeon, even even little kids will know. A lot of little kids will know what that means. And okay. um, very medieval. It's been around for a long time. And really, in many ways, the dungeon is like a creature itself. And uh, the party are you know dealing with you know dealing with this whole creature this massive dungeon creature and um yeah i think they're always fun and the new book we're going to give you lots of different ways to use dungeons and creatures you've never seen before that because you can have so many different things in a dungeon you you know one of the one of the really classic parts of the you know archetypal dungeon is it was is a wizard having a dungeon or you know a dungeon for their wizard tower. So often there are portals in dungeons that spellcasters or or maybe even a fiend or some other creature is using to bring other creatures from other worlds. So because of that, you get creatures like the Beholder and the Mind Flayer 
um, and creatures who can travel from one world to another as well, you know, like the night hag um, and the nightmare. So you can have, you know, the dungeon gives you really an endless supply of possibilities for monsters. Yeah. I am looking forward to the next dungeon I crawl. I don't know why I'm singing, but there you go. <laughs> yeah, and you also can have um, creatures that really fit into the environment, like the um, mimic creatures that can hide there. And our book is going to be filled yeah. with that. We're going to have lots of creatures. There's one feature in the stat block that says false appearance. And it says if this creature is, is not moving, then they cannot be distinguished from what they're what they appear to be and i've used oh, that wow. over and over for this book <laughs> so for that's example a chair, right that's a chair yeah look exactly chair. you think that's a chair you think that's a treasure chest you think that's a door but no it's something else so ah <laughs> uh, uh, i keep thinking of evil traps in a dungeon but um let me know i'll write it down <laughs> exactly um is there anything else we can say about crawling in a dungeon before we play the trailer? I think that um, the way the game has changed, I would say that again, most a lot, you know, a lot of the reason is because the game is not as long. I would say you want to have a balance. So, you know, just like in the Curse of Strahd, usually players after a while get tired of being in this gloomy land or playing in the Underdark, or playing in a dungeon, you want to have a balance. You don't want to just have your party in a dungeon for session after session after session, unless that's, you know, unless obviously that's what you've decided to do. But I yeah. think they're great to use here and there. And um, most of the time, you're not really going to have a mega dungeon anymore. That's true. I mean, there's specialty books that are, you know, basically mega dungeons that are, you know, 100, 200, 300 pages long, and mm -hmm. it takes years to go through them. Yeah. Um, so you could pretty much enter as a level one and leave as a level 20, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, I've never played them. I have looked at them and sort mm -hmm. of flipped through a few of them at the bookstore, but uh, they're just insane. Like, I always thought the Mad Mage was kind of the pinnacle of dungeon crawling in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. um, but the, but yeah, they're the, there are, I'm sure there are games that are being played online that I just uh, haven't seen yet that are basically just that. Crawling, crawling, yeah. crawling, crawling. Well, again, too, one of the best parts about it is it's also really good for low-level characters, and it's really good for newer players and kids because it's straightforward. There's a board game called Dungeon that TSR originally published, and now I think that there's a new version of it. And it's a great simplified version of Dungeon Crawling. And um, kids who are like four or five years old can play it, you know, uh, and they oh, love it. Cool. Yeah, I know a friend of mine has it and he plays, he's played it with his two daughters for years and I've played it with my daughter for years. And it's a good way to introduce D&D. &D. And um, yeah, it's uh, a dungeon crawl is a really good way, in, um, like I said, to introduce new players and can be a key part of any campaign too. Well, I'll always, I always use this quote uh, about dungeon crawls to people is that uh, the, did anyone realize the name dungeon or the word dungeon is in the name of the game? Question mark. Kwood Publishing. Um, 
because yeah. you've said that a lot. Like we've had discussions about this offline where uh, sometimes you just kind of feel like this part of the game is 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 kind of being left behind for no reason that makes any sense. Um, you know, if if you really want to get rid of dungeons, then take the call it something else, something in dragons. You know. Um, <laughs> But that would be boring, and that would really hurt their IP. So, you know, uh, bring back dun- bring back dungeons! Bring back dungeons! Uh, <laughs> we're starting a movement. Hashtag bring back dungeons. That's right. Uh, well, let's play the trailer. Fun so dungeons! Me... Fun dungeons! Defund dungeons? No, defund them! No, no, no. Uh, so here is the uh, now I'm sorry for the people who are listening you won't be able to see this but this is the uh, Monsters of the Dungeon uh, teaser trailer for this book so let's just give this a play Monsters of the dungeon, brave the darkness. Uh, so, so there you go. Um, so that's all dropping on Tuesday next week. Uh, yeah. Which is the, what, the 25th? No. 25th, yeah. 25th. yeah 7 a.m. Pacific time, 10 a.m. Eastern time. And again, it is a 5e book. However, what we're doing this time, because really the only thing that is... Um, you know, that is a little more complicated to convert to other systems is the stat block of the creature. Everything else in right, there, right. the bio, some of the stat block, all the encounters, all a lot of the extras we have, that's easy to translate to other games. What we're going to do is we're going to have a conversion, conversion tables for Pathfinder and for OSR games. So we'll have resources there so that you can use this more easily with other kinds of RPGs. So really it's for all RPGs. Exactly, because that's actually something we could go into to, to discussion about. Because I've never tried to convert to other systems. Um, I've played other systems, but I've never had any sort of crossover. Uh, so yes, yeah, so we should talk about that at some point. Yeah, in the yeah, it's a good point because I'm I'm constantly using first edition, original material, even basic D and D and expert, and I'm converting it to the five E mechanics, and it's not that hard. It's it's not rocket science. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. On that note, uh, everyone, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. And uh, everything that we've talked about, if it's of any importance, will be down there under the video. And uh, and so if you want to uh, link to anything, uh, or sorry, click on anything, go follow us on different social places. Uh, you can do that. Uh, but also, don't forget, support the Kickstarter community and jump over to Kickstarter. If you've never used it, uh, ask us. We'll tell you how to do it because uh, I've supported, I think, almost every book you've done, like in the last for the Monster series. Um, But yeah, thank you very much, and we'll see you all next week. Bye-bye. Later.